0: Well, hi everyone and welcome to Alzheimer's Speaks Radio. I'm your host, Lori LeBay, and I'm so excited that you're joining us today. We are going to have a fascinating conversation, as usual, as we learn from people all around the world at all ages and stages of life. Stay tuned as we shift our dementia care from crisis to comfort. Right, here we go. What you think about. Well, hi, everyone, and welcome back to Alzheimer's Speaks Radio. I'm your host, Lori LeBay, and today we're going to be talking about the blessings of psychotherapy and how that can help you deal with dementia. So um, before I introduce our guests, I always like to give a few shout-ups. I'm going to do that really quick, get our housekeeping out of the way so we can get on to our True Talk Radio style. So if you liked our opening song, it is uh, called Claring Call uh, by the Mark Arneson Band, who is local here in Minnesota, and I just adore them. So if you're interested in downloading the song, you can do that on any of your favorite music platforms. Uh, They are just fabulous that they let us use their music. So I really, really appreciate them. Also, for those of you who might be new to our show, Alzheimer Speaks is about sound information, not just sound bites. We want to talk with real people doing real things um, that really understand dementia from all different angles, and so we have voices big and small on the show all the time, and we we're all about being inclusive. So maybe, just maybe, you can be our next guest. Reach out to me at radio at alzheimerspeaks.com. Tell me a little bit about your story, and we'll go from there. Now, today's show is uh, live, and so if you want to call in, you are more than welcome to do that. The number is 323-870-4602. That's 323 870 Four six zero two. I want to give a shout out to Dimension Map. I am still so proud of of this website. You know, we're taking baby steps at trying to pull the globe together and pull resources together for both families and professionals uh, those diagnosed having something that's easy to maneuver so check out Dementamap.com. not only will you find a resource directory there but there's an events calendar there's a blog with wonderful information and a glossary of terms as well that can be really helpful because once you get this diagnosis like anything else you don't know what you don't know until you don't know you know it And um, that is there to help you. Um, I'm big on supporting people, and so I am involved with a couple of different groups. One is called Arthur's Memory Cafe. We meet virtually the second and fourth Wednesday of each month at 1 o'clock Central, so that would be 2 Eastern time, that would be noon Mountain, and 11 a.m. Pacific time. And then I also uh, work with uh, Brookdale North Oaks, and they sponsor a Caregiver Connect uh, program. And we were meeting uh, in person. We went virtual for a little while. We're hoping in May that we will be back to meeting at the Shoreview Community Center the last Wednesday of the month from 10 to 11. And you can bring your loved one with, too, because they also – provide respite care during that hour's time and you can find out more information by just contacting me on that and then on May 25th I'm going to be out at Friendship Village in their Friendship Hall out in Bloomington, Minnesota and I'm going to do a program called As the Cookie Crumbles which is designed to help professionals identify and understand the uh, multi-level dynamics at play when a family gets that diagnosis of Alzheimer's or another form of dementia. And then a big shout out to our friends with uh, Fox the Valley Memory Cafe. They are once again doing their memory camp at Moon Beach in Wisconsin from August 15th to the 18th. And that's for both family and, and friends uh, to join their loved ones. The number to call there is 715-479-8255 for more information. And you still have time to register for the Central Minnesota Dementia Community Action Network, a virtual program, which is going to feature Dr. Dale Brennison on May 12th uh, from 9 to 1 a.m., Or 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. Sorry, that would really be a long time there. And you can find more information out about them on Dementia Map. Um, And then MODS Awards, if you haven't made your application to win that $5,000 as an individual or $25,000 for an organization, you need to do that because Monday, May 16th, is the deadline. They also have MODS Ventures which is seed money that gives fifty to $100,000 out to people who are doing some cool new ventures. And they have three different categories. You can go to uh, modsventures.org or modsawards.org for more information on both of them. We are going to hear from the footbar walker, um, as being told by the adaptive equipment um, and caregiving corner. And then we will be right back. I take that back. Here we go.
1: I don't recommend this walker for all of my clients, but I do recommend this walker for those caregivers looking for an easier, safer option with transfers. I would also encourage other therapists to add this walker to their toolbox. It's kind of like having my own mobile parallel bars for the client to pull up on. Whether it's a family caregiver at home helping a loved one with Parkinson's or dementia, CNAs in a long-term care facility assisting their patients or therapists adapting to client and caregiver specific needs, we now have a very safe and effective option to offer in the footbar walker. Check this product out at thefootbarwalker.com. That's it for today from Adaptive Equipment and Caregiving Corner. Have a great day and don't forget, if you can't do it, adapt it.
0: And if you haven't checked out the Adaptive uh, Equipment and Caregiving Corner, do so. They have tons of videos and explanations of how to use a variety of tools uh, to live better, not just dementia-related. If you had a hip replaced, or knee, all kinds of different things there. So let's introduce you to our, ho- or to our guest today. Molly Fisher is a clinical social worker who's worked in the field for over 15 years. And she is excited to open up her private practice providing quality psychotherapy services to individuals living with um, a parent or a person with dementia and she uses the kind of psychodynamic and integrative approach paired with her expertise on dementia-related illnesses. Um, Molly assists individuals in processing the challenges that we all know about providing direct care and navigating family dynamics to boot while still trying to balance work and family life and so much more that's involved in our lives um, as, a, as a whole. So welcome, Molly. Thanks for joining us today. Oh, my gosh, Laurie, thank you so much, not
2: only for having me on the show, but for all that you do for your community.
0: Well, thanks. It's, uh, you know, dear to my heart. My mom lived with dementia for 30 years, and I know people are still shocked at that number, but more and more people are living a long time with this disease, and this is, Um, such a precious topic that we need to talk about. You know, when, when my family was going through this, there was, no one talked about, you know, going to a therapist at all uh, for help. You were just kind of floating your boat all by yourself and trying to, trying to, you know, swim upstream. Half the time you felt uh, just exhausted and, and trying to figure out how to have moments of joy and quality of life for everyone involved. And so Again, I appreciate your time with us today because I, I think more than ever, especially with COVID, has put a light in, uh, you know, on um, mental health issues uh, for all of us, and uh, we need to address uh, We need to address this topic. So, I'm going to start by first asking you because I ask every guest this: Have you been personally touched by dementia in your own family or circle of friends? Uh, Yes, actually,
2: uh, I have. My grandmother had Alzheimer's disease, and my father had Parkinson's disease that had some dementia symptoms uh, as a result. And I actually met my husband, if you can believe it, because of Alzheimer's, and his mother was living with the disease. And we started chatting, and that's, you know, how we initially met. And then, Few years later, got married. So I have Alzheimer's to thank for that. Happy
0: story, right? Who would have thought about it? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, there there are wonderful moments within this journey, um, but you, you'd have to be conscious and looking for them too. You know, and and them yeah. and, and continuing to live life. So I think that's wonderful. Yeah. That's wonderful. You never know where Alzheimer's can take you. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, how does your expertise in Alzheimer's and dealing with other dementias help you when working maybe with an adult child or a spouse who's who's in psychotherapy?
2: Absolutely. So I think, you know, what, what we don't often realize is that therapy is a great opportunity to talk to somebody who's not your friend, uh, right? Because our friends can get burnt out with all of these different conversations that we have, and our friends might not always know the right thing to say. And so just to start off, you know, like you mentioned, 30 years of your mom living with Alzheimer's, you never really had that thought about therapy, but Therapy is a great thing uh, for all of us who just need to kind of process a few things or talk or flesh it out. Uh, in terms of my Alzheimer's expertise, I think in particularly talking about caregiving or caring for or loving a person who's living with a dementia, uh, whether it's your parent, spouse, sibling, uh, other family member. I think having a therapist who not only understands all of that, for lack of a better word, therapist-y stuff, uh, understanding the different dynamics, roots, feelings, uh, but having that expertise on the illness, it helps me understand and explain, oh, so mom is forgetting your name, which triggers your old feelings of your mom not loving you or not being there or not acknowledging you or knowing who you are, and now she really doesn't know who you are, not because she's trying to bother you or frustrate you, but because of her brain disease and explain the different signs and symptoms uh, and how the disease can progress. And so it Mm -hmm. allows me to provide that psychoeducation at the same time as I can provide the psychotherapy, which is pretty unique.
0: Well, in using the example of forgetting a name, I think is so important because we it's not something I think that we consciously talk about you know in society of what if somebody we we care for deeply just kind of blows us off you know and, unless mm-hmm. it's like a like an official breakup or something, but you know then it's you know people go oh you're going through the the, the process, you'll get over it, your heart'll heal and stuff but when you think of especially like a parent. Um, typically for many people, you know, the the one or two people that they were able to really rely on for unconditional love in their life. And I know not everybody's family is like that either. There's a lot of issues where people are like, how did I get in this place of care when we never got mm-hmm. along and they never took care of me? I mean, there's those examples too. Um, but it's just, it's so important to discuss that it is the disease process. It really isn't a personal attack, even though that may or may not have been the person's patterns. Um, you know, mm-hmm. it's it's really sorting out all of those variables. It it you know the disease itself made me realize, gosh, everyone's family's not like mine. Much more so yeah. than I knew before. And I'm not a dumb person. I mean, I know everyone's family was different, but it just really hit on a very different level. And Mm -hmm. more people started kind of talking about their family situations. And so I found that fascinating, um, you know, in in and of itself. Now, you mentioned, you know, working with those um, family and friends who who care for somebody with dementia. Do you ever work with someone who, and I would imagine have to be in the earlier stages, who has dementia? Maybe they just got their diagnosis or got a MCI, mild cognitive impairment diagnosis, and and they're kind of struggling with who am I and what's my life going to look like in the future? Sure. I personally don't
2: work with those individuals who are newly diagnosed or in early, early stages where they're still able to productively engage in therapy, but have uh, colleagues who do that I love to pass on uh, their names for that referral. Uh, I think what's really important for every therapist is to understand who they feel they can really uh, expertly work with and who they feel might not be uh, the best patient for them. And so for me, because of the close relationships I've had with the people in my life who are living with a dementia, uh, there's this clinical term called uh, transference and countertransference that makes it a little bit more challenging for me to work with that actual individual. Okay. So I don't. But I think it's really important, and you bring up a great point, those individuals who are newly diagnosed or starting to recognize changes, they need support too. And I think that a lot of times uh, local organizations will say, oh, join this support group or this program, which certainly is beneficial, please don't think uh, that I think otherwise. However, I do think it's even more beneficial for them to have that designated one person to talk to. Just like caregivers, it's great to go to support groups, but some individuals still need or should supplement with that one-to-one therapy uh, relationship beyond just the support group to get
0: that, that attention that they need. Mm-hmm. Um, how about on one other population, uh, and that is professional uh, care partners? Uh, do, you, do you work mm. at all with them? So I've done a
2: lot of training and education during my career uh, for the professional caregivers, home health aides, social workers, nurses, individuals who are working in uh, residential care settings. Uh, Usually I haven't had the opportunity to work one-on-one with them unless it's something along the lines of uh, individualized skill building, but certainly our professionals, uh, and you see this a lot in this kind of COVID world, professionals need to ensure that they're taking the time for their mental health and wellness.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: What I often find is institutions don't always prioritize that, and so it's important for any of the professionals who are listening in to make sure that you take the time for yourself and seek that out and look at the external resources, whether it's through employee assistance or your health insurance, uh, to to receive psychotherapy. And so you Mm -hmm. can make sure that when you're looking for a therapist, you're asking them for uh, assistance in something, whether it's caregiver burnout or workplace stress. And usually what happens is that's what brings you through the door to the therapist. And then you start talking about all the other things that might be happening in your world too, because it's all interrelated.
0: Yeah, I... I personally would love to see companies um, offer this type of support to their staff. I think it's badly needed. You know, they're all working three different positions. I just saw information here on Minnesota that said like we were like the worst as far as staffing our senior communities, um, memory care included. I mean, we were really, I mean, I think it was like 40%. We were down. That's a huge, massive, massive amount. And the pressure, That is put on them, and I and I think staff are looking for more than just a paycheck too. They want to know that that the company they work for does care about their mental health and their well-being, and um, you know, being able to help sort that out. And maybe it would be an issue too, where maybe some staff wouldn't feel comfortable going. Oh, is she going to report this stuff to my employer? Because I don't necessarily want them to them to know either but i would imagine that that would be confidential and and couldn't be shared but um yeah i think there's i think so many people can benefit um you know by having kind of that non-biased person to talk to who's been trained you know to help them Mm -hmm. through through the process like you have so um i think that that covers for me you know who your target market is and and um and thanks. how how do you you know work with somebody and and why is it important um to for them to get um, some psychotherapy support?
2: Yeah, so I actually work with adults of all ages and a variety of general mental health backgrounds, but my specialty is working with these adult children. Um, who have, as, as you said, a person or a parent who's living with a dementia, and the reason I like to specify person or a parent is because I think we naturally go to the idea of, oh, you're caring for your parent, but it could be an aunt, an uncle, it could be a sibling. Uh, let's say you come from a family where there's a lot of years between you as a 40-year-old and your oldest sibling, and you're now caring for them, so we never want to make the assumption uh, that it's always you're caring for a parent or it could be your spouse and you may be there might be a, an age difference between you and your spouse uh, and people might misunderstand that so uh, your person or parent that you're caring for and I think the the biggest the biggest thing that we need to think about is that caregiving in general is really difficult and as a you know usually within the 30s 40s 50s you might be building your career starting your family Uh, getting married, a variety of different things are happening. And on top of that, you've got this aging parent. And what I think COVID in particular has made us see is that when, when you're isolated, when programs are shutting down, when you don't have the connections that challenges can arise and the family becomes the first people we look to Mm -hmm. and our sense of responsibility or duty might kick in. And then what happens? It's so stressful. I don't know what to do about mom because she's, you know, three hours away And I can't get there, but I think she's getting older and struggling, so what do I do? And then you feel guilt and you feel shame But I've got to take care of my 10-year-old or I've got to go to soccer practice for my 12-year-old or I have a new baby at home, whatever the scenario is. And then who can you talk to about that? You can talk to your partner. You can talk to your friends, and they'll say, oh, you know, it's time limited, or, oh, this will pass, or, oh, just go there already and stop complaining about it. But it's usually seated in something bigger. Like I said, the Mm -hmm. sense of obligation. I always feel obligated. I have to do this. But what if you don't? What if you can hire a geriatric care manager who can manage mom's care or check in from time to time? What if you can bring uh, a a housekeeper or a companion into the home that can take care of a few of the basic things because mom might not be at that stage yet?
1: Mm -hmm.
2: Or what if somebody is continuing to decline from a health perspective and residential care, like an assisted living could be a great option. That way they also can get socialization. Um, oh, but I could never, I feel guilty. And so you can see how this kind of back and forth, this tug of war that oftentimes we have with ourselves can become really stressful, uh, can become pre- uh, a preoccupation that help starts to create decline in your work performance, decline in your performance as a friend, as a partner, as a parent. And, you know, kind of snowballs from there. So therapy uh, can help sort through all that, can explore how to set healthy boundaries, how to set and manage expectations, how to process some of these feelings that you have. Um, And that's if you're doing this alone. What if you have siblings? What if Mm -hmm. you don't like your siblings? (laughs) Or they don't like you. What if the sibling (laughs) dynamics – yeah, the sibling dynamics and the rivalry – comes back into play and all of a sudden we're all 10 years old again. And who's dad's favorite, you know, Um, or my, my brother's choosing to do it, but that's not the way I would do it, but he doesn't listen to me. And he's the one who is legally in charge of, you know, mom's affairs. And so these different ways of how do I navigate that? How can I communicate with my brother? For example, Uh, Mm -hmm. I can help you with that. You know, sit there, what would it be like? Or try and get an understanding of where he's coming from. Or why do you need to change him if 50 years shows you he's not changing and he's being totally himself as he's always been? Mm -hmm. You've got this expectation that you are so powerful that you can change him. But really what it does is you just keep getting frustrated. And he continues to say the same. So how can we readjust that for your own wellness?
0: So I think just, that is you know kind of so, such a common issue with siblings, and I, I went totally. through that myself. And I didn't, you know, I was so busy being busy, you know, being a mom, being married, working full time, having other people live in my house, plus caring for my folks, and and I, I mm-hmm. so wanted my brothers to be different. I wanted them to have the experience I had to see see through a different lens and they just couldn't do it. They emotionally could not bear the pain to see what was going on, to kind of get to the other side. And when I finally let go of trying to make them be something else or, or see things my through my lens, oh my God, my burden got so much lighter. I felt mm-hmm. so much better. I had no, I really didn't have any idea how much I was even trying to do that until I let go of it. And, mm-hmm, and that kind of mm-hmm. shocked me too, because it was like, wow, I was just kind of going in pilot mode here. And, um, and then I ended up having a, a talk with my brothers, which was really funny about perceptions, which I'm sure you dig into a lot. But, you know, I, I finally asked my brothers, you know, how come you guys don't come around? And they're like, well, you're kind of a control freak, and I'm like, no, I'm, no, I'm just organized. <laughs> you know what? What controlling? No, everybody comes to me because I'm organized, you know. And and so it's mm-hmm. funny how those terms get shifted around depending on what the need is, um, you mm-hmm. know. Be, because I was always seen as organized, but in this situation, I was seen as controlling. Um, and sure. so we had a really good conversation about that, and and yet nothing really changed. Um, but what made me kind of step back and, and look at how we all care different was I was sharing some stories with my brothers, um, telling them that I thought one day I, I would write a book. I still haven't done it yet. And my one brother said, "Well, where'd you where'd you, where'd you get all those stories?" And I said, "Well, I was there." And then it hit yeah. me like, oh, my gosh, they have, they have none of these. And then I felt really mm-hmm. sad. I felt really, really sad for them. But I knew it wasn't my responsibility. And I had kind of gone through um, some, you know, spiritual classes and stuff about letting go. And everybody has their path and everyone has their journey, which you know, that helped me a lot. But I'm sure you kind of cut through all of that stuff because. We don't see it, you know. We're, mm-hmm. we're kind of blinded to it until our eyes are opened um, to even look for it. I think, um, and mm-hmm. again, family mm-hmm. dynamics can be so complicated. Um, there's a, there's Absolutely. a few families out there. I I hear uh, maybe in since 2009, since I've been doing this, I might have heard from. I'm going to say no more than 20 families would say, oh, we all get along. We we work really well. And I'm like, you are a rare entity out there. And I don't know
1: if you agree
0: with that statement or not, but in my experience and then even prior just talking with friends, it's difficult. And why not grab support, you know, of someone like you to help help through the process? That's why I thought it was so important to have you on the show today, uh, you know, to talk about this. Yeah, and and I don't want to dismiss that there aren't perfect.
2: Yeah, yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to dismiss that there aren't perfect families out there because there Mm -hmm. are probably a handful. But Mm -hmm. I think the person is telling you, like, oh, we work perfectly fine together. They're not seeing that one sibling who does feel left out. I mean, they still work well together, but there's Mm -hmm. a person who's, let's say, straggling behind or has a lot of anxiety or feelings of guilt because maybe I didn't spend as much time with mom as I should have. Uh, so as a result, again, on the surface, oh, we work great together, but you don't know what that one person is feeling and how they've internalized the fact that everybody else is standing up proud of being like, yeah, we got this. And they mm-hmm. might be, well, do I have it as much as they have it? Again, sibling rivalry is like deep rooted. Or mm-hmm. like the youngest sibling admiring the oldest sibling and wishing they could be as great as. Or the middle child wondering, like, am I doing enough? Am I being seen? You know, these things are not just showing up when dementia shows up. These are things that have been showing up since the family began.
0: And saying that right i yeah. yeah and and thank you for saying that because i think that that's really important because some people just blame everything on the disease and it's like mm-hmm. no 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 <laughs> this
2: yeah. stuff
0: is this stuff's been hanging with us a long long time
1: oh 100
2: you, know I mean? you know i have i have a story a woman um who came in and reached out to me and she goes, you know, I'm okay with my mom's illness, but the problem really is my brother. He just doesn't get it. He blames me for everything. He's so angry. So what I need you to do is I need you to trick my brother into talking to you so you can fix it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I was like, Oh, okay. Um, Well, I can't do that. Like I'm not in the business of trickery uh, Mm -hmm. or, you know, trying to, I don't fix things either. You know, that's like a common, uh, yep. Misunderstanding. I'm not trying to fix anything, but what I can do is speak to you, like I mentioned earlier, on how you can better talk to your brother and kind of come to some sort of neutral ground. And she, this person, actually has a i mean, really—a beautiful way of looking at her mother's disease, which is I've never—I've never seen anything like. She's very. She's come to terms and has a wonderful perspective on her mom's illness.
1: We had about mm-hmm.
2: one session talking about her brother, just one. And now what we're actually talking about is this, like insane trauma that she experienced at four years old that has nothing to do with her brother, her mother's Alzheimer's disease, or anything else. And so it's so fascinating to me that, again, what's bringing her in the door is mom's Alzheimer's, but that's not actually anything we've talked about for weeks now. Uh, we're talking about her trauma and how her trauma has created her to be kind of a person who's just going to put on a happy face because that's what she was told she had to do. And there wasn't room for her to feel. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then how that plays out now in her relationship.
0: Yeah. And by providing that safe place, you allowed her to Mm -hmm. come out and and get that out and deal with. Um, And so Mm -hmm. many people have, Things hidden down deep that they've pushed down, that we, you know, because we've been told just push forward. You know, it'll it, it's not going to sure. matter, but it but it does. It festers. Now, do you ever do or do you ever get requests to do like family counseling? Like you help me uh, so I, maneuver these conversations with my brother. <laughs>
2: Yeah, 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 You trick him. Um, you make him understand. Uh, I, I have gotten a few questions as I've, I've reopened my practice. People are, like, you know, really eager for me to do family work, family mediation. It's not my preference. I have done mediation and family meetings before uh, in my work as uh, a social worker. And I'm certainly happy to set those boundaries. But, again, it's not my preference. Uh mm-hmm it's fascinating stuff. What I'd prefer to do is the per, cause the thing is that when you deal with the family as a, as a unit, a lot of times not everybody's on board, but if yep. you can get the one person who is and chat with them and teach them the tools that they can ultimately bring to their family, it may be better received. Mm-hmm. If it's something that they're like, they're never going to listen to me. They'll only listen to some random neutral third party like you. Um, Certainly, it's something I am, I'm able to do. As I said, it's just not my preference. And at that point, they may, they may benefit from a, uh, again, whether it's a geriatric care manager, it could be a lawyer, if it's something where there's kind of financial components involved and other legal concerns. Um, if it's just somebody, I, I kind of liken it to uh, a referee where it's mm-hmm. like, okay, I'm going to ring this bell and everybody goes to their corners. Uh, and I've done that before where everybody gets a minute to talk, and then when the minute's up, they have to stop their conversation and move to the next person. I've done things where it's, like, whoever's holding the pen, and this sounds so crazy, right? But, like, if a family is having a really hard time allowing each person to speak and there's a lot of passion involved, um, holding on to a pen and saying, okay, whoever has the pen is the one who's speaking and doing timed uh, Points of conversation, like everybody gets a minute, can be really helpful. Those concrete things and the like, the the buzzer dinging,
0: Mm -hmm. concrete
2: things like that can be helpful to just set some order to what can often be very chaotic.
0: Yeah, it it gets complicated quick, and I've seen it too, where someone will say, "Well, I'm not going to go to that group meeting because that's your person." You know, you said that, so I I don't trust you, so I'm not going to trust them, and. Yeah, it it just depends on on what it is, but uh, and I've yeah. seen some go really well, and some just you know they're not going to participate, and you, you can't really force anybody, you know, to participate yeah. in something like that. Um,
2: what are some and of you the... bring up a good point too, mm-hmm. Lori. I'm mm-hmm. I'm sorry, you bring up a good point because if it was my patient, I wouldn't see her family as well. Just like if it was mm-hmm. my patient, I wouldn't see them and their partner as a mm-hmm. unit. So I would refer that out. So your own therapist shouldn't be for, um, for neutrality reasons. You shouldn't be doing these things for more than just you.
0: Okay. Okay. Good point. Um, what are some of the issues that, that people don't always realize impact their giving care to somebody?
2: Oh my gosh. Um, do you actually like your parent or person that you're caring for? Oh, yeah, I mean, like, everybody question. says, like, of course I like, yeah, of course I like my parents. But, like, do you? Um, what are the complications that you have in that relationship? Uh, so the this happened years ago when I was working um, on a helpline or with a helpline, I should say. And I got a call from a lady who was like, so my mom and I have always had a really bad relationship, and I've been in therapy for years about it. But um, she has Alzheimer's now, so my therapist thought it was a great idea that I care for her to show her how good I am and how much I actually love her, and then she'll forgive me before she dies.
1: Meanwhile, (laughs) my mouth
2: is on the floor because I'm like, oh my God, this is like the worst advice you could have ever gotten from your therapist. Like, who is this therapist? Please let me call them, but I didn't go there. And then so the conversation continues. She goes, so it hasn't gone well. Um, can I, true story, can I leave my mom at the fire station for them to just take care of it? Like, you know, there's a safe haven where if you need to, yep. for whatever reason, God forbid, leave your child at a, at a police station or fire station, no questions asked. So she was looking for that same thing for her elderly mother. Um, and I was like, no. That doesn't, that's not how it works. She goes, yeah, but this isn't working, so I need to get rid of her. Like, she needs someplace else to go. And I was like, okay. Oh, okay. So, and trying really hard not to laugh. Um, so to you, so going back to your initial question, that was a real story. I, could, I, I still can't believe that. This happened out in Long Island, New York. Um, okay, So uh, to think that you caring for your parent is going to repair your troubled relationship is a unrealistic expectation. To think that you caring for your person is going to make you love them more, probably not also accurate. To Mm -hmm. make up for lost time with urgency, like, I feel like I haven't been around, so I'm going to care for them now to make up for lost time. I would also be like, well, but why haven't you been around, right? And Mm -hmm. so I think there's things that we we feel obligated to care, and so we're going to do so, but with the expectation perhaps that this will bring something back to us. In some cases, Mm -hmm. it might. It might bring you time that you never could have imagined having otherwise, but it also could bring heartache. It could bring mm-hmm. stress. It could bring frustration. So manage your expectations, number one. That's something I don't think we think about with caregiving. And part of that expectation is this is hard. Mm-hmm. This is hard. So you hard. are going to see, see things about your parent or your person you've never thought of. Like you are going to have to experience things with them, uh, good, bad, and otherwise. And it is going to bring up a million feelings. Mm-hmm. And that's like in a vacuum. That's discounting the fact that your job doesn't care that you're caring for somebody else and still has work requests upon you. That doesn't take into mm-hmm. account the fact that you've got a partner at home, uh, spouse or otherwise, who is really getting burdened from taking care of everything at home because you're taking care of everything at your parents' house. You've got a kid who's wondering where mommy's going, right? And ballet recitals that aren't being attended to, all these other things. Like you cannot do it all. Um and so how this goes back to, like, building your care team. Who can you put in place, whether it's you and all of your siblings, you and other family members, you and your friends, hiring help, your uh, spiritual community, church, temple, mosque, whatever you got going on, um, mm-hmm. ge- hiring a geriatric care manager, bringing in support groups for yourself, and um if there's a well spouse, like if you're, you know, if it's your mom and dad, the dad is sick, is there a support group for your mom? Are they getting the help that they need? And then therapy, of course, this is the piece that I think we utilize last,
0: is making sure that you're getting that one-to-one individualized therapy for yourself. Mm-hmm. Wow, you gave such good examples. Um, you know, there's just, there's so much that goes into this and so much that needs to be looked into this. Um, And and again, I think so many people don't open the door to therapy until they're so overwhelmed and feeling so lost. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, we can all do ourselves a favor by um, opening that door a little bit earlier. On and yeah, and especially ripped-
2: because at that point, by the mm-hmm. I'm sorry, at that <laughs> oh, no, point, right, where it's become where it's become so overwhelming. That's when it's even harder to find the, you know, 45 minutes you need for a session. If you can start, and you, this is goes for anything, if you can start building in the healthy habit now, let's say you're not even caring for anybody, just like if you're trying to lose weight, right? If you can build in 15 minutes to go for a walk every day now, it's going to be helpful. That's a habit that you'll always have when things get really stressful. If you know that your parent is aging and you're starting to have concerns about them just getting older, talk about it. Right, mm-hmm. build this habit in now, because once you're at the point of like oversaturation, where you can't even find time to eat, where you're not sleeping well, where are you finding that time for a session? More often than not, as humans, we don't, especially especially women, we're deprioritizing ourselves and our needs, and therapy sadly goes to the bottom of that list.
0: So getting into these habits
2: be before it becomes a crisis, yeah.
0: Well, and you know, when we take better care of ourselves, we we give better care, you know, to a person with dementia mm-hmm. or anybody in our lives. We do we do everything better, um, you know. We're, we're our mind isn't spinning. We're sleeping typically better. I mean, we're eating better. Like you said, sometimes your your day gets so busy. I can't tell you how many care partners say, "I don't even have time to take a shower." You know, I, I have mm-hmm. to do wash. It's piled up and they just see all these other things going by the wayside. And some of them they, they actually physically see piling up if it's dishes or laundry or whatever, um, <clears throat> which just gets, um, raises the anxiety, increases the depression, and just, uh, you know, makes you want to run away and hide. Uh, I For think it's sure. very, very common in... And so many people don't, you know, if they've never cared for somebody at that level, they don't understand it. It's like, well, what's the big deal? Or or they hear, well, they look fine to me because, you know, Mm -hmm, somebody with mm -hmm. dementia sometimes will perk up when they have company around. Or, you know, there wasn't Mm -hmm. anything disruptive happening in that moment. And uh, even like with siblings, they're like, mom looks fine to me, but I I don't get what all Mm -hmm. the fuss is about, you know. and. So those perceptions are really important to understand. In you know how can you how can you shift those without taking on the burden of changing somebody? Because sometimes just them For being sure. able to see something in a different light can help. But not always will that will that work. Um, in terms of family dynamics, oh, oh, go ahead.
2: Wait, there's just one other thing I want to add. Like, everything could look fine to everybody else because you, the caregiver, have done a great job.
1: Mom Mm -hmm. is great
2: because of you. But what no one else sees is that you deprioritize yourself so much that they don't see the anxiety that's keeping you up all night. They don't see the fact that you cry every time that you can find, like, a minute to yourself or you cry every time that mom is sleeping right mm-hmm. and so every you could be putting every ounce of what you have and who you are into your caregiving and so everything looks great except you are a mess and i don't mean that in a negative way it's just messy in there because you have like you said like a pile of clothes that you need to sort or wash or whatever but you have prioritized getting mom breakfast a warm breakfast instead of just a bowl of cereal instead of doing the laundry and so or you have prioritized yourself getting an hour of sleep an hour extra sleep instead of showering and it's been three days
1: and because mm-hmm. you
2: haven't showered in three days then you feel guilt then you feel shame then you feel disgust about yourself and so it actually ends up having nothing to do with mom but you have lost yourself so much and so, yep. giving yourself the gift of—and of, I say it's a gift—the gift of therapy. It's a really important investment mm-hmm. to take for yourself.
0: Well, you know, because and everything it, it, else
2: is great because of you.
0: Yep. And it's—it's it's interesting. I know on my own journey, um, when you mentioned about they look good or are doing good because of you, I remember my folks. My dad had brain cancer. My mom had dementia, and so they would go visit their friends. Their friends would come and pick them up. But I would scoot over there and make sure that they were dressed appropriately, that dad had had money for lunch and, you know, yada, yada, yada. And and they came home one day and said, oh, you know, we've been invited to go down to Texas this winter. And I'm thinking, you can no more. And I didn't say this to them, but in my mind I'm screaming, you can no more drive down there or fly down there. I mean, there's just no way. Mm-hmm. And I was livid mm-hmm. at their friends, livid. Mm-hmm. And then I and then I had to sit back and go, well, shame on you, Lori. They don't know
1: mm-hmm. because
0: they look yeah. well and, and they can reminisce uh-huh. just fine.
2: Uh-huh. And they yeah. have
0: no idea. So there's that fine line, too, of protecting their dignity and being honest. Because people can't help yeah. if they don't know, and that was kind of a slap yeah, on I the think, face to myself when I when I realized that. Going, whoa, okay, I guess I got to take some responsibility. That's a great here.
2: example. That's a great great example because that's a testament to all that you were able to do for your parents. But so many times we have all this like you can't tell anybody. Like back in the day when you whispered somebody had cancer. Mm -hmm. Um, Like you don't mention who has Alzheimer's or, oh, they have dementia. But like you can talk about your high cholesterol all day. Um, like we want to normalize and destigmatize not only mental health but we want to normalize and destigmatize Alzheimer's and dementia we're not there yet and we shouldn't be keeping this a secret from family and friends and I hear that word dignity thrown out a lot like oh well it's just so you know I want to maintain their dignity well maintaining their dignity is is making sure that they can still be who they are as they progress through this illness and have the connections that they've always had it
0: mm-hmm. might look
2: a little different so instead of playing canasta we might just sit and drink a cup of tea together, but you're still having that social connection that's dignified versus having, um, you know, just all of a sudden, oh, mom can't play canasta anymore. And then we don't hear anything from anybody ever again. Right. Mm-hmm. So like, how can we continue to be honest with our, our parents or person's friends and friends circle and build up community that way? Cause those people, if they, if they don't know, they won't help and they'll invite them down to Texas. If they know, and this is the big risk, right, and a lot of families struggle with this, if they know you might lose friends, shame Mm -hmm. on them. Shame on those friends, right, because who's going to be around when you need it? Like I used to do all these talks about building community uh, Mm -hmm. within our friends circle as we age. Um, But if you don't tell your, your friends, your parents, community, things like that, even if it's just one or two people, then you have no one there to help. And then the burden becomes stronger for you the adult child who's just like well I have no one and I Mm -hmm. either have to make sure that they look perfect before they go to lunch or hide my parents and become their only social connection or they Mm -hmm. have no social connection in which we see studies show lack of social connection will exacerbate the symptoms and lead to a more rapid decline.
0: Yeah. Well, and, you know, Down. with my situation, I wasn't even actively thinking consciously that I was trying totally. to hide the disease, the disease. I was just oh, yeah. trying to, you know, I, I knew how my folks always dressed and looked and acted. And I wanted, you know, I wanted to preserve that for them. And when I'm saying it 100%. out loud, I wanna, you know, I kind of want to slap myself in the face going, yeah, but you know, that's a whole denial thing of what's, What's real. And I would I would still want to do those things for them, but just let others know that they now need assistance, you know, with yeah. some of those things. And it's, and that's it's the same, same reason
1: why you would give your dad a wallet,
2: right? Like your mm-hmm. dad could be living with dementia, not going anywhere, not driving, but you're still giving him a wallet every day because for 75 years he had a wallet in his pocket and he just expects to have it there when he puts his hand in his pocket. Yeah. You're doing everything. You're doing everything right. It's just the idea of exploring what else is happening, whether you realize it or not. And that's where, again, therapy can come into play. Because mm-hmm. if it stresses you, and I'm not saying this stresses you in particular, but if it stresses anybody who's listening, they're like, oh, I need to make sure that I've got to get dad X, Y, Z before he goes out so you know, whatever. All the things, if it stresses you to that point, well, then I'd say, okay, peel back a layer. And what else is happening? And then what? Mm -hmm. And then what? And then what? Well, I just can't make, I can't have the guys at church know that he can't get ready on his own. Mm -hmm. Or I can't let, you know, mom's friends know that she can't, she doesn't want to get her hair done anymore. Mm -hmm. Whatever the case may be.
0: It's interesting. My dad, you know, my parents retired up at the lake and my dad would go for coffee at the little store and they'd have coffee and donuts with the guys and they would just slap jokes. And my dad wasn't able to drive anymore. And so I, mm-hmm. I asked him, I said, can I, can I come and um, dr- drop him off? And that's what I was going to do was drop him off. And then one of the guys was going to bring him back. Well, they ended up inviting me to stay. And it was so fun to, to get to see him in action with his friends and, and do different things. But sometimes you just have to ask you know mm-hmm, and mm-hmm, and, absolutely. and like you said those two friends will will gather around and the ones that can't deal with it they'll they'll peel away my mom had a friend who just could never go see her once she ended up having to move into a nursing home and but I would meet yeah. with her that was another thing on my schedule I would meet with her like every month or every other month and we'd have breakfast together so I could update her on what was going on and mm. about ten years into it, I showed showed her this DVD that we did with my mom with a um, a musician, and it was just magical. It was, and I was so proud of it. And this woman, you know, she's like seventy six years old. She screamed out in the middle of the restaurant, going, "Oh my gosh, she looks horrible! You know, this doesn't even look like your mother. I'm so disgusted with you. You told me you were taking good care of her, and and oh. I just. And, and but it was a really good learning lesson for me, and um, and I kind of giggled because I was nervous, and then I got the seething eyes, you know, just I mean she could have burned mm-hmm. holes through me, and then I said thank you, and she's like thank you, what are you thanking me for, Lori? I, I I'm I I can't believe you've been lying to me all these years, and I said, okay, I'm saying thank you because until this moment, right now, I didn't know that everybody doesn't see what I see. And I said, "This is my mom in pure joy as she is today." Yeah. Her hair's not yeah. done. She's got a billy goat hair hanging off her chin, you know. I and mean, <laughs> she, she just didn't look like my mom. Like my mom was always pristine, you know. And um uh, and she's like, "Well, what do you what do you see, Lori? What do you see?" And I said, Kay, I see a great big smile." I said, "Even yeah. with her rusted chainsaw you know, broken teeth in there. I see a big, beautiful smile. I see her dimples. I see her squinty eyes, and I see, but I see a glint in them. I said, when I look mm-hmm. at this picture, Kay, I hear my mother giggle. This is a yeah. joyful, precious moment. I'll never forget, Kay. And thank you for letting me tell you what I see. You yeah. know, but but yeah. she was so fearful of seeing it. she couldn't see, you know, I just, I saw the gradual decline and changes and, you know, why we weren't brushing teeth anymore because she was scared and, you know, we used to fight over that and staff used to fight over that. And it just, it wasn't worth quality of life to, for her to be mad and upset and feel threatened by the people around her for half a day before she forgot mm-hmm. it. And, and you know, those are the things that we have to weigh out. And that was, you know, the brushing of the teeth was one that was, you know, kind of in your face. You had to, you had to finally mm-hmm. make a choice. Um, but not everything is that in your face or that dramatic in terms of how we care. And we just kind of keep picking everything up, you know, as we see it. And we're not evaluating how much of a loan can we handle or how much do we really have to do. You know, once I changed mm-hmm. how how I even looked at care, you know, I used to have my to do list. Well, one day I snapped at my mom really bad, and I I felt horrible because she didn't deserve it. But I didn't, you know, I just couldn't deal with her repeating forty five times in ten minutes the same question, and I just I snapped, I lost it. And then mm-hmm. I developed this tool called your memory chip, and I decided my focus had to be: was she safe? Was she happy? Was she pain free? And when I changed my focus to, you know, really going down to the bottom of Maslow's theory of what care looked like, what I really needed to focus on, I realized that I had stuff on my list that was haunting me because I was pressuring myself to give pills at a certain time that didn't have to be on a deadline. I um, I was being so strict with things I wasn't letting other people come in and help, you know, or I had stuff on my list. And this was probably the biggest thing. I had stuff on my list that made me feel good because this was a disease with no cure mm-hmm. and that and that let me just be in her space and relax kind of like a new mom, you know, sleep when they sleep, relax when they relax, you know you'll mm-hmm. you'll have that other time, but to really be joyful in their space um and allow them to be joyful and peaceful instead of always having to be busy. That was that changed how I did everything, um, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. But but those aren't easy things to come by, and to have some guidance from somebody who's looking yeah. outside, going, okay, let's evaluate this a little different. Because I'm sure you would have picked up on this. Years before I ever figured it out, you know, but <laughs> well, for me, and it's so, I, and
1: so easy to say, right. <laughs> but, you know, for
0: me, I needed that horrific sense of guilt that just about crushed me for how I acted mm-hmm. for me to, for me to change, you know, how I looked at mm-hmm. care on that. Yeah. Um, I can't believe we're down to like five minutes the time goes by so fast, so I'm just going to ask you what else I know you, like you said to, it I know I told you it'd fly by it always does um what What else would you like people to know in the in the short period of time that we have left
2: so I think you know. I prioritize yourself and your mental health. If you can, even if it's just for five minutes a day as caregivers, I don't think we do that enough. And by the way, you could be a caregiver, meaning you're just a mom or dad. And I don't want to say just a mom or dad, but you're a mom or a dad and you're caring for a kid. Yep.
1: Um,
2: you might not yet be caring for an aging parent. Um, you might have a, an aging parent that you don't directly care for, but you care about, and that stresses you. And so just, just make some time for yourself and prioritize that. Uh, I encourage people to give themselves a little bit of grace. Uh, You can get frustrated when mom repeats herself 25 times in five minutes because it's frustrating. And guess what? You're human. Uh, So give yourself a little grace and you can be upset. Just notice when you're upset more than you're not and then Mm -hmm. see how you can maybe seek some support. So I'm based in New York city. Uh, but there's great access to mental health uh, therapies all around the country. And, you know, COVID kind of made mental health even more accessible than it was before
0: because mm-hmm. so many
2: people are on telehealth right now. You can do a zoom, you can do a phone call. There's even uh, companies that do text talk. Um, mm-hmm. So like, I think that's talk space. So there's talk space, there's headway, there's Alma, there's a bunch of resources where you can go online use your insurance and try and find a therapist in your area. Um, I don't know how many therapists out there have the expertise in Alzheimer's and dementia that I happen to have, but if you do have somebody in, um, that you can ask, what's your understanding of Alzheimer's and dementia? Have you experienced this before? Uh, I think certainly that can be helpful, but absolutely not necessary. I just want to make that clear. It's not, it's not a necessity, but mm-hmm. it can be really helpful. Right. Like here in New York, there's a million therapists. And so and everybody has a therapist, not I mean, somebody might just want that person who has the expertise and I happen to have it. Um, And there are uh, other places in cultural, uh, not cultural institutions, I'm sorry, academic institutions that you can speak to people, uh, neurologists, people who are doing studies on Alzheimer's and dementia. Reach out to them and see who they might recommend.
1: Reach out Mm -hmm. to people
2: who might recommend a therapist for a spouse, and that person might also be able to very adequately help you as an adult child. Um, I think, Lori, you'll have my information. You can always email me or reach out to me, and I'm happy to point you in the right direction. Mm
1: -hmm. There are
2: great organizations out there. Um, HFC is, is one of my favorites. Uh, their website is we and they have online support groups and chats and resources and trainings and education and they do it in a very light-hearted kind of fun way uh if you can make alzheimer's fun which i like mm-hmm. to try and do and, and bring a little uh lightness to a very uh, challenging illness so check mm-hmm. them out there's also the alzheimer's foundation of america where i used to work they've got a national toll-free helpline with social workers only they've got support groups they've got online programming for people who are living with a dementia they're just doing really wonderful things around the country and again both those organizations are national Um, so find yourself a great network give yourself a little grace take a break go for a walk it's summertime almost everywhere now or hopefully soon (laughs) so take a walk enjoy the sunshine um, I know I hope to do that a little later today. And um, just give yourselves um, give yourselves a, a moment of pause and thank you for all that you do for the people you care for.
0: Well, I appreciate your time and all your, your uh, words of wisdom there for us. Uh, we, we need it. People need to grab a hold of it. There's also a lot of uh, Facebook groups that can be really helpful as well, just talking with other people totally. that are going through the same thing. That you're going through, but Molly's website is Molly Fisher, and that's F-I-S-H-E-R, and then L-C-S-W dot com. Molly Fisher, L-C-S-W dot com, and she is also on LinkedIn. And do you want me to give them an email, or would you prefer that they go through your website or or me?
2: The website's easier, so they don't have to write down more things. That's fine. You can contact me me through the website. Absolutely.
0: Okay. Well, thank you so much for your time today. Again, I really appreciate it. And I urge people, you know, to reach out to Molly or someone else in their area as well. Um, And are you willing, can you give people referrals at all or point them in a direction if they're not in your area? Absolutely. Yeah, okay. I
2: mean, I'm happy to connect you with people in my network. As I said, I used to work for the Alzheimer's Foundation, so a national organization. I've got connections all over um, the country, including you, Lori. So, um, and your dementia map is a great resource as well. So I think together we'll be able to make sure everybody gets the support that they need.
1: Fantastic. Thank you. Bye now. Thank you.